Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. Once again this month, the podcast focuses on the WDF Virtual Cup. Last time we did a preview of the brand new tournament with the brilliant Matt Stoner from Dark Connect and the WDF Vice President Buddy Bartoletta. With the action now firmly underway, the group stages are complete and we're now into the last 16 for both the men and the women. It made sense for this month's guest to all be players in the competition on the men and ladies side to discuss their experiences and also a variety of other topics. So this month's guests are Ross Montgomery, Lorraine Winstanley, and Wales's John Williams-Jones. We also have a brilliant competition for you this time to win a set of John's new darts, which will be out in mid-November, and details on how to enter that competition will follow later in the show. First off, though, here's my chat from last week with Scotland's Ross the Boss Montgomery. I'm now delighted to be joined by Ross the Boss Montgomery. How are you, Ross? Good afternoon, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. And what have the last six, seven months been been like for you with the, the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, it's been an absolute nightmare, personally, and for my darts, because uh, me being a handyman, I can't really go into people's houses to work uh, and some jobs outside. But in the darts aspect, it's been pretty dire because uh, I didn't really accept any invites for virtual darts. I didn't really fancy it. And my stay up in the house where I am is basically it helps me for practice, but that's about all. And then when I got the invite from my country to play in the virtual World Cup, I had to, I had to accept it and go on with it. And how are you finding it? It's very difficult at the start. Alan Stewart helped me quite a lot because he's been playing online for the last eight or nine months. And he assisted me in practice with me, helped me with my setup and all that for my lights and the camera and stuff like that. And it really helped quite a lot. But uh, some of the technical issues it was going through and was quite off-putting. Because the players have basically got to police it themselves. If you're playing an opponent from another part of Europe and if your setup doesn't look right, I mean, there was a couple of times that I could hardly even see the board mm. of your opponent. And that's something that I feel you don't really want to be doing mm. when you're playing virtual darts because you need to concentrate on your own board. So we got we got a device, Alan found a device and we set it up from your phone to a TV and you can put the TV under your own board and watch it like you were watching your opponent thrown on the board at a normal match. Mm. It worked out great, but some of the technical issues were very off-putting and I get, I get too easily annoyed if I get off put, if I get put off. <laughs> and it just upsets my rhythm a little bit and you get annoyed. Same as any other general tournament you're playing on the floor if you get put off by someone to the right to you or someone to the left and you'd have to. It's easier to keep your focus on the floor, I think, than it is when you're playing virtual darts. And I suppose those issues are magnified as well because you're only playing best of five. Yeah, best of five is difficult, yes. Yeah, we played it for years and years at the county set-up, as you know. But that changed to best of seven, and it, it got e- it didn't get easier. It just got it got better because you could go 2-0 down and it's not a major panic. But yeah, it's, I don't think they could play any more than best of, seven, best of five. But yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is. I mean, the, the virtual World Cups is over for me. But uh, thankfully, Alan and I think Lorraine from the ladies is through. Mm. But it was, but it was, it was okay. I, I, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If I'd taken up the offers earlier in the year to play online darts, virtual darts, I may have been prepared better. 
Looking back to the, the start for you, it's well known that you played American football before darts, but that's not the most obvious choice up in Scotland. So how did you get into that? Well, I was, I was working in the hotel and uh, I'd just done a couple of marathons, believe it or not, in my skinny days. <laughs> and uh, we were still playing five or six and a wee bit of foot, Sunday football now and again. And there was a couple of lads in the hotel in the pub who were playing American football. And I heard them speaking about it because I had started watching it on Channel 4 with Mick Luckhurst in the very, very early days. And I said, these guys play American football? And it just it just went on from there. Because uh, it was something the Scottish government introduced many, many years ago to give the American sailors, etc., something to do rather than getting drunk in the pubs and clubs and balls. So the Americans started teaching people American football, baseball, softball. People were getting involved. And because it was popular on the TV, it just snowballed from there. And they asked me one day if I would like to come down for a trial. And because I could run and I, could play, I was playing football and they wanted me if I could kick. But when one of the coaches let me run and they threw the ball at me and I caught it the first time, they said, no, no, you can play outside, like wide receiver. What you need to do is a favour. I says, what's that? He says, you need to put on a, a stone and weight or something. <laughs> <laughs> because I was only about 10 stone or something like that because I'd been running the marathons. But it, it went on from there. I went training and it was good. But and I, and I met my wife. She was a cheerleader at the time. And it just went on from there. And it was in the, the pub of my wife's local that the guys were playing darts and and I had been thrown about for a couple of years, just like my dad and my uncle and stuff like that. And I'll go and give it a game. And I beat this boy a couple of times with somebody's darts. And uh, the captain of the club there, he says, you still playing football? I'm like, yeah, I've got a boy retired, I'm getting a bit sore. And he's like, well, you can always come and play darts for us. And it just snowballed from there. I was actually playing golf at the time in the pub as well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, my wife's like, you're going to start playing darts? When are you going to find a night for that? I mean, it's only a Monday. <laughs> but uh, it snowballed from there, and that's when I got the nickname The Boss. Uh, my old captain of the Southern Dams, Bobby Bailey. Uh, I was beating guys, and he's like, You're certainly bossing it in there. And he's like, Oh, it's your new name, The Boss. That was about 20, 26 years ago, or something like that, yeah. So, what uh, then prompted you to start playing in BDO ranking events? Well, it started uh, way back when uh, in my original first counties way back when I started with Lancashire, uh, a couple of lads there met up at a tournament, a local tournament, and they asked me to come and play Super League. And then Super League snowballed to, to counties. And then we went to a tournament in Dunoon. And I think uh, Bobby Jaws beat me in the semi-final, if I remember right. And then I thought, oh, this would be quite good. And I spoke to a few players that were travelling. They said, I come down to this tournament. We travelled on about England and Wales, went to a couple of tournaments, and then by 2004, I think it was 2004 or something, I'd qualified for my first league side. Hmm. And I was whoa! And it just snowballed from there. It was just one of those things. When you did qualify for that first league side, what did that mean to you? Oh my God, that was, that was like, whoa, I'm up on the stage with all these great players, all these legends that have played on the stage. Uh, Jockey, Eric, John Lowe, everybody, everybody you could possibly think of was what I'm at. And I was so excited I'm on the stage and oh my God, and a lot of people back home are celebrating the local press have done a big thing for me. A TV company had made a video about it called it Darts Tarts or something like that. And they were at my house filming and I was like, oh my God, is this what it's like? It's just, I'm just a normal, 
normal working guy here working for myself and this is what's happening. And when I got there, it was, it was unbelievable, it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, brilliant. And were you nervous when you made that first walk out to play Vincent van der Voort? Oh yeah, honestly, I mean, I was okay in the back room, I was practicing well, I stood at the door and my name was called, and the late great man for Smallers called my name out, and I walked around there, I nearly fell, and I nearly fell up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, and then I turned around to look at the, look at the people in the auditorium, I was like, oh my, this is amazing. I think I settled well in the first set. I think I took a win, a win, a win forty or somewhere, and uh, and I heard the commentary earlier on. It was, was it David Cross? This is welcome to the Lakeside boss or something. But yeah, it was. I had, I believe, when I think about it now, I had chances. But Vincent van der Voort, the professional that he was back then, he he was always going to do well. And a couple of things happened in the game, but that was just I didn't really worry about it. I just got on it. Mm. It was great. It was good. A couple of years later, you won the England Open, which was your first ranking event title. What did that mean, That you know, proof that you were up there with all the other guys who were doing well in the BDO at the time? Yeah, it was, uh, it was it's the first time I went there. It was the second time. It was at Celsius against Gary. Was it Gary Anderson? Was it? Yeah, yeah. And I beat Ted Hankey on the floor as well. That was a great game. Ted had congratulated me and says, well done, Ross, keep it going. And yeah, I was like, this is, is this what it's all about? This can do this, I can do it. And a lot of the top pros at the time there encouraged me uh, and, and said to me that I could do it because my floor play was good. It was a stage play where I was I was lacking it. But then I had captains from the lakes uh, from my county days telling me, you can do it, no bother, don't worry about it. And I just went for it. And I got, I got, I say, I got lucky, I won, I won a title and... I went like, well, I can do this. But it was just getting self-belief that you could do it and, and go on with it. I think I won the British Classic the following year. That's something I can't remember, but I won a few. The next year, Lakeside 2009, you got your first win there against Martin Phillips. Was there yeah. a big relief when that, that winning double went in? Yeah, it was quite a relief. Uh, Martin back then was even a legend, and it was always, I'd met Martin through international duties and stuff. And to get the first win, the first win under my belt was good, yeah, it was a good feeling. I'll not lie, by that time, 2009, I'd started to, started to dislike the lakeside. I didn't enjoy, I wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't like the first time. And I wasn't uh, realising that mm, this is not what people are, are, are hearing. They're thinking it's all brilliant, that, that players get this and players get that. Players smile and wave to the to the to the audience because that's the player's job. They go on with it. But my personal feelings were starting to dislike the place because myself personally, to me, it was looking like it was just a money making venture, and the players were second. Mm. It was all made out to me that the players were treated like kings. It wasn't that at all. The players done their job. The officials done their job. The BDO administration at that time were doing their job. But my personal feelings about Lakeside, I was, I was starting to dislike it. And, no, it was stuck in, it, stuck in the 70s, the 80s. The fans were all fantastic. The staff, everything was fantastic. It was great. But it just, for me, that's when I started to really dislike it. 2009, 2010, it was just starting to get, nah, I don't know if I like this place anymore. But, you drove every year to qualify for it. And then when, when you got to it, you went. And my wife used to always bust my chops about it. Uh, 
and, and quite rightly as well, you've worked hard all year to get here and you get here and as soon as you walk in the door, you dislike it, you don't want to be here. But that was just my personal feelings. The players were all great, we'd all mix and have, have a bit of banter, a bit of laugh and encouragement, etc, etc. But just me, I just like, nah, I, I just didn't like the place. And did you feel that the fact you weren't happy there, do you feel that affected your performances? I, I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, the players that beat me were well worthy winners. And the matches that I've played at Lakeside, I mean, the one that stands out to me was, was the Scott Waits match when I beat Scott on mm. stage. Okay, Scott was carrying an injury, I'm sure, at that time with his shoulder. But I had almost broke my ankle. I was in my bed for two days. And uh, a good friend of mine has now passed, the legend is Ricky Dollar, looked after me. He brought my food up and down to my room. I had to rest my ankle. And I played that match with a burst ankle as well. And that match stands out to me. But feeling the way I felt at Lakeside, no, the players that beat me were well-deserved winners. Causing anything in the way I was feeling. These, they lads deserved their victories and they played very well. Well, your, your best run at Lakeside did come in 2015 when you beat Scott Waits 4-0 and then lost to Martin Adams. But sort of between 2009-2015, you won a number of medals with Scotland, the highlight being when you won the, the World Cup team in Canada in 2013. Yeah, that was, that was one of the most amazing, amazing things I've ever, uh, I've ever felt. I mean, I've always been proud and honoured to be selected and picked from a country. But to lead uh, Alan Souter, Gary Stone and Craig Baxter to the to the final and uh, the team event and, and beating America in the final was an amazing feeling for the team. I mean, and we still talk about it now. We still, every one of us have are, are still got our shirts from that time. We keep our shirts and nobody's ever going to get those shirts and medals or, or pride of place. It was an absolute amazing feeling. It was, uh, it was the greatest feeling I've ever had playing for my country. And being captain of the team was, was fantastic. You are Scotland's second most capped player uh, behind Mike Veach. Is the goal for you to, to break that and go well beyond? Yes, hopefully, yeah, that was my goal. Uh, this year, uh, uh, I would have got my caps to get to take the record, but COVID stopped it. But uh, I remember Mike Veach years ago when he was captaining me when I was playing, I was up and coming and I was in the team. He was always one for saying to me, you'll do this job one day, you'll realise how difficult it is. And I used to say to Mike, I know how difficult it is, mate, but I've got your back. And it led from there. And yeah, that was always my goal. And you know, people have said to me that's maybe what's held me back from moving on or maybe trying to get my tour car or something like because of Scotland. But I won't disagree with anyone in that fact because, yeah, it's, it's to get your name up there, uh, would be great and everyone can see that fact that I've always been inspired by playing for my country and always will be. I mean, you talk about the PDC, you played in the, the Grand Slam in 2017. Did you consider moving across? Definitely, right after that. I mean, from arriving at Wolverhampton and, and, and arriving at the door, the security guard asking my name and Mr Keith Della came out to get me, lead me to the door. The way I was treated from when I arrived there, it was an eye-opener. And I was like, this is the way, no disrespect to the video committee or video board at any time, but the way they looked after the players at the Grand Slam of Darts, I was like, this is the way players should be looked after. It was unbelievable. From the minute I walked in the door to the minute I, I, I left, 
everybody was treated the exact same, whether you were Michael Van German or whether you were Ross McDermott. Every player from top to bottom was treated and looked after the exact same way. It was an amazing feeling, and I said, I want some of this. I want to be part of this. I would love to be part of this. Okay, I didn't go and get my poor card. But yeah, it's always been in my memory how the players are well looked after. And, and I think that's why a lot of players inspire to be. Because it brings the better, brings the, brings the best out of them if they're looked after that way. And is that something you might consider in the future, going to Q School? It has been spoken about, believe it or not, the last couple of months because I still believe the WDF will pick it up and something will happen and we'll move on. But the more and more we watch it and you sit and watch the, the PDC playing on the behind the closed doors, the players are all still playing. The players are all still playing magnificent darts. I mean, the Premier League the other night there was, it was an amazing thing you watch because the players were still doing the business hitting the averages the Grand Prix the week before was all great these guys are all playing if this is what's going to carry on for a wee while yet probably that's the only way to go because I think someone at my age if I sit and wait and wait it could be the end of that I would just go ah, nah, I'm done with it but yeah it has been spoken about for the last couple of months and I'll speak again with my management team I'll speak again with my wife and we'll maybe decide what's happening but uh, First and foremost, I want to get that record for Scotland uh, if we can get playing. I get, I hopefully get selected and get those cap wins. And then let's just see what the WDF will, will do and take it from there. Looking back to last year, you know, one of the, the big things for you was last February your wife got diagnosed with, with breast cancer. When you heard the news, how hard was that for, for you, your wife, your whole family? It was, it was awful. And it's awful for us, my daughters and my son, we all worked hard together to try and, and help her. Uh, for me to, uh, excuse me, for me to play, she forced me, well I didn't force me, she pushed me to keep playing and not to change my attitude, excuse me. But trying to focus on your darts and thinking about your wife being not well back home, it was very difficult. Uh, and I can always remember uh, my good friend Mam Adams taking me by the, by the neck virtually and telling me just to go on with it and play the way you can play and play for Dorothy, etc, etc. And it was a struggle. Uh, the points and qualify, but when she got the all when she got the all clear and all that, we pushed hard and managed to just qualify for the O2 basically with the last spot. The chairman phoned me and said, Look, you're in Ross. Luckily enough, because there's no Asian qualifier, you've just managed to get in, but you'll be playing in a, a freelance. I mean, well, I'm happy for that and I was happy that I'd done that and Dorothy's like, Yeah, we'll be we'll be going, we'll be going, you'll do all right. But yeah, it was difficult and most times I didn't want to play, I just wanted to come home. But she pushed me all the way, she kept pushing and pushing me. And last year, you could tell that, you know, when your wife got the all clear, you could tell your form picked up massively and the check open, you won the title, it was your first ranking title in two years, and she was there with you. Talk me through the emotions of that weekend. It was, it was very emotional, uh, Actually, with Dorothy being with me that weekend because we've always been going to Pride because we love it. Other than the darts, we love the town, we love the people, it's great, and you're always well looked after no matter where you go. But, but, but to be there with me and get ready, I felt 
I feel brasses, nobody's beat me this weekend. I didn't say that to Dorothy, but she probably sensed it because she knows the look in my eye when I'm when I'm going to win. She knows she can tell the look in my eye. And when I played that week, I felt that I wasn't going to lose. And to win it for her and dedicate it to her was the, the best I could do. And she wasn't coming the following, it was a two week when we went to Italy, she wasn't coming. But uh, I went and won that for her as well and dedicated that win for her as well. You came into the O2, you know, on, on hot form. Yeah. How did you find the O2? I was I went down on the Thursday knowing everything that was going on because I, the chairman had phoned me and people were always talking about you know, the prize money. I had no qualms about the prize money. The chairman had told me what was happening. I accepted my invitation and I played because there was no way I was not going to play because of what Dorothy had been through. There was no way I was not going to play. I wanted to take her down there with me. Even if we get beat, we were going to see some sights and we were going to enjoy it. We were going to enjoy being together. And that was it. But going into the game, I thought, I've, I've got a good chance here to get, get that monkey off my back and get to the first round or second round and, and go on because I'm playing well. And everyone saw the match. It was a great match to be involved in. Losing, yeah, OK, but fair play to the French lad and, and he played very, very well. Uh, I, I, cool, but that's his surname, that's not his first name. He's a lovely lad and uh, it was a good match to me. I think a lot of people enjoyed the match because hmm. it went to the, basically the last leg. But yeah, I went away like a train and I played really well, but yeah, no qualms. I enjoyed it and we got to be together again in London and see some sights. It was good fun. And the venue was superb because I thought here we go, now we're stepping into 2020, we're opening this, a new new venture, new venue, modern times, but hey-ho, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as someone who's always been, you know, you've been with the BDO for the last, you know, 20 years or more, and I know you're quite an active voice on the, the sort of the BDO fan or, you know, Dart fan Facebook pages, what have you made of the, you know, the BDO sort of the end this year, but the decline over the last few years? It's, uh, it's been quite a, a shock uh, from what's been going on since when I got involved in the early 2000s to what's happened now. But I think, how do you put it, there's, there's been too much of everybody wanting a piece of everything and things happening that, 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 that shouldn't be happening and organisations not working together and, I don't know, egos fighting against other egos and... and backstabbing for want of a better word. Verbal players can be verbal, but at the end of the day, the player's job is basically just to be a player. But there are some times where you feel you have to speak. At the end of the day, there's a lot of organisations and a lot of people that run events where the players really should take nothing to do with the events, running of the events. Players' job is to play darts. Let the organisers organise. But over the last few years, there's been too much friction between too many certain people and that they don't, they don't, I feel they haven't worked together close enough. And certain people haven't been given the chances that they deserve. But when it comes to the administration and the political and the financial side of it, as a player, you only hear snippets and rumours and gossip. At the end of the day, the problem what happened to the veto will probably never be disclosed. Mm. And people can just imagine or surmise it would be nice to find out exactly what happened. But are we ever going to find that out? 
But it's sad. It's a sad day from an organisation that we started in the seventies to becoming worldwide, and then for the things to happen over the last year or so. Mm. It's sad. This year we obviously haven't seen much darts, but you were able to to win the Dutch Open for the second time. I mean that must have been lovely to win to win again. And talk me through how hard it is to win that competition. The Dutch Open is the hardest open in the world, and I won't let anybody argue with me. I've played in it for years. I've been in three finals in the last six years. Two thousand and fourteen, I won it. 2017 was it? Uh, Mark McGinney beat me. 2016, 2017, Mark McGinney beat me in the final. A very emotional one for Mark. He just lost his mum. An amazing big lad. But lots of time for Mark. And then winning it again. The Dutch Open is the hardest tournament. I don't care what anyone says. Hardest tournament in the world. Because you could be in the VIP lane one night, one game, and then you're out in the sticks the next game. And there's thousands of people out there. But. Myself, personally, with the Dutch Open, is the way it's run. The way they run that Open, it runs like clockwork. Whether you're playing outside in the sticks or you're inside in the VIP lanes, it is run clockwork. The officials work tirelessly day and night, and that tournament runs perfectly. Anyone that says they don't like the Dutch Open, well, I don't understand why. I mean, I've lost first rounds, second rounds, third rounds, and it's always been... The way it's run is unbelievable. If you haven't been in the Dutch Open, then let's hope it's done next year. You can get your backside over there because it's an amazing tournament. You know, that, that title win, how emotional was it as well, just, you know, a year on from your wife's diagnosis? It was, uh, uh, it was amazing again. Uh, and because she was there and she was in she was in the seats at the back of the stage, she was with me every dart. It was, it was great. I think that... I'm not going to lie, we had a good bubble for a good half hour. But yeah, it was very emotional. And to win, I don't don't realise, but people keep telling me to win the biggest open in the world is an amazing thing. To have won it twice in the space of six years and been in three finals, to win it is because the class, the standard of players that you see at the Dutch Open, it's unbelievable because the Dutch are a massive nation that play in darts. there's a lot of lads in Holland and other countries as well, Germany, Belgium, Germany, etc. You never hear of them, you never see them, then you go and play them and these guys are hitting everything and you're up against it straight away. And to win the Dutch Open is the biggest, I would say it's the biggest thing for tournament. To win the American World Championship, etc. Et it's massive. So to win an Open that size with that amount of entries and then to see the crowd on a Sunday, 4,000 people on a Sunday afternoon, all day, and to walk on that massive stage and there's thousands of people singing your name. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's an amazing feeling. And to cap it off for me and Dorothy, and to win it just before this all stopped was, was, a, was a great for the both of us. I mean, Holland's always been a happy hunting ground for you as well because, you know, 10 years ago you won the, the Zyderdijk Masters over in Holland as well. Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always loved playing darts in Holland because of the, the, the way the, the, the fans appreciate you over there. The, uh, the, the Germans and the Belgians are, are similar, but in Holland, they're just darts mad and they've been for years and years and it's been great. And I mean, we used to play in the Mariflex Open. We won the pairs a couple of times with Martin Adams at Mariflex. Sun Park's Masters, they won the pairs with Jimi Hendrix at Sun Park Masters, James Wilson. All these places, I mean, uh, it's tops again. I won tops again against 
the Costa. That was Belgium, mind you, forgive me, but that was going <laughs> against Dutch players. I mean, the Dars in Holland are amazing. Even if you go to your pub, I mean, we played in a pub tournament one time. Jimmy Hendricks took me to a pub tournament. We were staying in his house one weekend, and I won it. And all the top players were in this pub playing in this tournament. And they were all just darts mad, and it's fantastic. The Dutch are just... And they really appreciate fellow players from any country. They just they just treat you the exact same. And, and it's a place I love to play darts is Holland. And I know you've openly said before you felt that you know the BDO should have looked at moving some of their majors abroad. And is that based in the experiences you've had in Holland, Belgium, Germany, etc.? Definitely. You know, I mean, it's okay talking about what things happened in the past. The World Darts Trophy being in the UK, etc., etc., going flat and nobody in it. Can you imagine if you took the World Darts Trophy to the same hotel the Dutch Open was in and you had a couple of thousand people or taking the World Darts Trophy to any hotel in Holland or any venue in Holland? You would have been, it would have been bouncing, it would have been busy. It would never have lost money. But, hey ho, it's uh, the powers that be decided where it was and the players, there was nothing to do with the players. I mean, I think definitely majors can be, uh, even the Royal Masters. Why does the Royal Masters have to be in the UK all the time? Why does some other countries not get a shot holding the world, the one new, like say, one new World Masters, where it was called before? Why does other countries not get a shot of it? Same as what we do with Europe Cups and World Cups. Every country gets. Mm. So why can't they do that with the majors? I mean, OK, Lakeside was Lakeside. It was always packed at the weekends and busy times. It had its quiet times. But now that the World Championship will be possibly run with it, or hopefully run with the WDF, they will look at it. I'm sure they will look at it. And this may be hosted in different countries. I don't know who gives the best package. But if you take likes of stuff like that to Holland... I believe you will get massive people and massive interest. Recently, you and your wife have been doing a, a challenge for, for prostate cancer. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, we've we done what's called the West Highland Way from Mulgai to Fort William. 96 gruelling miles. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, my feet are getting sore again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we tra- Dorothy tra- she'd done it before. She'd done it uh, for breast cancer a few years ago. And uh, so she trained me. And we were walking four or five times a week, 10, 15k, building up to 20k. Oh, sorry, we'll go 10, 12, 14 miles, big long walks, get used to it, up and down certain hills. And uh, we were out walking one day and I said, I need some inspiration. So I don't really fancy, they fancy walking this for PC UK. And Dorothy just looked at me and she's like, oh my God, Ross, I was just thinking the exact same thing a day or two ago. I said, yeah, let's go. A bit of inspiration because I was, I'm not going to lie, I was struggling. Like when you get into the 20 mile walks, 20, I was like, really, do I want to do this? I had problems with my knee. My knees wasn't too bad, but it was my feet mostly. But yeah, we got the inspiration from PC UK and contacted Tracy and the team and we went, yeah, let's go for it. Set up my, my Just Govern page has been there and we raised just over £1,500 for the walk. It was brilliant, amazing. What does the, the future hold for, for Ross Montgomery and how long do you want to keep playing darts? I, I would like to play. I would like to continue playing. I mean, I can still work. I can still get up and go to work, go and walk, whatever the case may be. I still love playing darts. I still love the challenge, even though virtual darts has really annoyed me. But that's my personal, not about any of the players that I'm playing against. But I would I continue to want to play. And if I can help and put into anything, then I'll be gladly help. But, yeah, 
I want to play darts. I want to continue playing darts for my country. I want to be like the Martin Phillips of Wales with 100-plus caps. I want to be like the Martin Adams of England, 100-plus caps. I want to have that kind of thing. And I feel keeping fit, looking after myself, keeping my weight down, looking after myself, I could probably play it a lot longer. And hopefully organisations get sorted and we can, whether it be in the WDF or whether it's in the PDC, I don't know, but at this moment in time, I'm just looking forward to it all starting and we can all get back together again. And basically get to the pub on a Monday night and see my mates and play local league, which I've been playing for nearly 30 years. And get me to meet all my pals again and, get, and just generally get back to playing darts. Well, thank you for your time this afternoon, Ross. It's been great talking and hopefully, you know, we're able to get some darts up and running next year and we can catch up again when, you know, hopefully you're back out playing. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much for asking me, Andrew. Thank you. Oh, it was great to chat with Ross there. He's someone I've wanted on the show for quite a long time now, actually. He had a rough go of it in 2019 with his wife's diagnosis, as you heard there. But it was great to see her get the all clear last September. And you saw his form pick up, as I said. You know, he qualified for the Worlds. He won titles in the Czech Republic and Italy. And then he won the Dutch Open again earlier this year. And in a sense, lockdown came at a bad time for him because he was playing some great stuff. And I think he was on course for a brilliant year. It will be very interesting now to see if he does give Q School a go. A lot of people have thought he would in the past and thought he might have had a decent shot. You know, talking of the virtual cup, it didn't go so great for Ross, but as he said, that's probably because he'd, you know, not taken up those offers to play in online competitions earlier and he wasn't maybe fully accustomed to the setup, but maybe we'll see him playing more of those later this year. Generally, through the group stage of the virtual cup, most went as expected. Martin Adams, Paul Hogan, Neil Duff, Alan Souter. John Williams-Jones, Martin Hennigan, Keen Barry, Adam Gowlish, they all got through. But Ross was one of the surprises not to get through, you know. The others were being reigning WDF World Cup champion, Darren Herowini, Sweden's Andreas Harrison and Thibaut Tricol, who beat Ross in the World Championship at the start of this year. But, as Ross said, you know, online doesn't suit everyone and there were some surprise results. At the standard, I thought generally, across the board, was really good in the group stage, obviously, you know, there were some groups and some nations where, you know, the averages weren't so great. Uh, there were some some issues too, you know, connection issues, internet issues, technology. That stuff's always going to happen with, you know, online. Everybody has a different setup and different capabilities. But by and large, it seems to have gone smoothly. Uh, it was a shame things didn't work out for Monaco. It was going to be their first international competition. But, you know, they had some issues and they had to withdraw and there were a couple of other individual withdrawals as well. But by and large, I think almost all games were completed in the group stage. Uh, and we've got some really fascinating ties. The men's last 16 draw is as follows. Alan Souter of Scotland will play Danny Baggish. Masande Megadeza from South Africa, who's been one of the most impressive players in the tournament for me. He plays Adam Gowlish. Anthony Takira, AJ Takira from New Zealand, plays Paul Hogan. John Williams-Jones, who we hear from later in the show, takes on Zvonko Antunovic from Croatia. Martin Adams plays Mal the Ball coming from Australia. Kevin Lane, uh, Welshman Kevin Lane, representing the Isle of Man in this competition, he plays Ricard Weinstra. Sebastian Bielecki of Poland, he plays Justin Thompson of Australia. And reigning WDF Europe Cup singles champion Martin Hennigan, he plays Patrick Kovac, who had the highest average in the last 32, with a 
in his game against uh, the other South African, Damien Stephens. On the ladies' side, Susanna McGimpsey and Wendy Harper were probably the surprises to go up, but otherwise it went as expected. You know, Mikuru Suzuki got through, Kasumi Sato got through, Aileen de Graaf went 11-0. and You know, Denise Cassidy played some great stuff, Tori Kewish played some great stuff. And I have to say, the way the draws panned out in the knockout stages for the ladies, that top bit is, you know, really talent-heavy. Um, you know, obviously, the Fallon, Sherrick and Lorraine got through two from England. The draw for the ladies' last 16 is as follows. Mikuru Suzuki against Lorraine Winstanley, which is a rematch of the 2019 BDO World Championship final. Irina Armstrong against Katie Sheldon. Tori Kewish against Ksenia Kloshek from Russia. Alien de Graaf against Emma Hawley. Fallon Sherrick against uh, Mongolia's Erdemenesheg Dondov. Marina Latika from Croatia plays Kriya Odiar from South Africa. Diane Bale from Canada plays Lorraine Hyde of Scotland. And Robin Byrne plays Tracy Marie Davies. As I said there, you know, Lorraine's got a pretty tricky tie in the last 16 against Mikuru Suzuki, but it was great to catch up with her last week to discuss how the Cup's gone, how she's found the online darts, but also the recent PDC Women's Series and her plans for next year. I'm now delighted to be joined by Lorraine Winstanley. How are you, Lorraine? Oh, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, coping it as best you can at the moment. How have the, the last few months been for you with the, the lockdown and stuff? Um, well, same as everyone else, really. Missing the face-to-face uh, competitions, um, but been playing online and practising at home and um, just making the best out of a bad situation, really. We last spoke in February of last year. So first off, how was 2019 for you, darts-wise? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, no, it was, it was a relatively good year. Um, it's a pretty steady year, really. Uh, not one of my best, but not my worst. So um, I, I went into, into the year in pretty good form, and I think I stayed pretty consistent most of the year. I mean, you started off with the, the World Championship final and then the, the other two majors, the World Trophy and the World Masters, got to the semis of both and lost in the semis to your good friend Anastasia both times. Yeah, she got me again. <laughs> she got me again. <laughs> she has a habit of doing that. Start of this year, you had the, the world move to the O2. I know Fallon Sherrick withdrew because of the, the reduction in the prize money. Did you reconsider playing when you found out the money was dropping? Well, we weren't given a, um, we were told that it would be dropped, but we weren't given a, a specific prize fund before we actually played. Um, and I think it was, me personally, I decided to play because I'd worked damn hard, you know, to, to qualify and get myself there. And I didn't feel that it was fair on um, sponsors if I withdrew, because um, obviously they've funded me to to get there so and like I say there's there's nothing quite like the pride of of playing in the world championships so um I wasn't going to withdraw because the money had dropped not saying I was happy about it but um I was always going to play and how did you find the O2 as a a venue as a venue it was it was brilliant I I went in very very dubious um because obviously I didn't play till um, a few days into the tournament so I, I watched it from home and I could see that um, 
you know, the, the players were coming off and doing interviews and saying, oh, the venue's great and whatnot. And I was still very dubious. But um, when I got there, yeah, it, it was a lovely venue. It wasn't Lakeside, but nowhere else is going to be Lakeside. Um, but yeah, the venue was great. It was really good. And talking talking of Fallon, a few weeks before, obviously, she'd made history at the, the PDC World Championship. What did you make of what she was able to achieve? She was brilliant. And nobody can take that away from her. What she achieved there was absolutely fantastic. Not only for ladies' darts, but for herself as well. You know, um, she certainly has raised the level for, for ladies' darts, both publicly, so it, it's it's become a, a worldwide sensation what she did but um but for us as well it was like right we really have to try and raise the bar here um but the standards of the ladies starts has gone up and up year after year after year um and unfortunately we don't get the coverage to be able to showcase that and and she did and she took total advantage of the opportunity that she was given and i thought the way she played and the way she conducted herself was absolutely fantastic. And as you say, it must be extra motivation for all the other female players that, you know, she's gone out there and do it. We, we know we can play that well as well. Yeah, of course. And we all want a piece of the action. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, it was just, it was great. I was, I was really, really pleased for her. And and the way she, you know, every interview she mentioned ladies' darts. You know, she was pushing it all the way. So she she wasn't taking it from a selfish point of view of look at what I've done. I think her her view was look what could be achieved um, if we're given more opportunities. You know, you're fresh off the the PDC Women's Series. How did you find that? I mean, it must have been your first sort of in person darts in quite a, quite a number of months. It was, yeah, seven months and. And I'm not going to lie, going into it, I felt really quite uneasy and not doubting my ability, but the expectation from other people, because of course you're going in as one of the top players and you're expected to do well. I personally always expect to do well. But then in the back of my mind, I've got this little thing saying, but you've not actually faced anybody for seven months. And playing online is a whole different game. It's it's not it's not the same as as being in the same room as your opponent. It almost doesn't feel real. So I I just got this negative thing in the back of my head that you know are are you going to still be able to cut it and what's it going to be like? This is going to be the most people that you've seen in such a long time and is it all going to be safe and lots and lots of things running through my head. So mentally, I don't think I was in possibly the best place to go into it. But as soon as you know. As soon as I arrived, that all that was put at ease because of the professionalism shown and, and everybody's safety was paramount, you know, um, and we were all looked after so well. And as always, the competition was, was run like clockwork and, and it was great. Me personally coming out of it felt I'd sort of lost that killer instinct that you only you, you can only achieve that from face-to-face combat if you like um like i say the online thing to me sort of doesn't feel real even though you're still playing a game it's not the same you don't you don't feed off the other person because you're not with them you can't you're not picking up any vibes or seeing the body language it's just totally different and i suppose you're sort of you know you've lost that killer instinct through not playing and now you're sort of in a limbo again because 
with the virus and stuff, there's no sign of the, the WDF tour resuming anytime soon. And PDC-wise, it's probably not going to be anything until Q School next year. Absolutely. And I, I came home and said that to Dean. I said, it's like, right, I've had three days of playing solidly. I've got to stay on the board, you know, keep motivated. But then it's, what are we keeping motivated for? It's, it's very difficult. The world is a very, very strange place at the moment. So, um Mentally, I think we've all just got to put ourselves in the right frame of mind and keep practicing and uh, and continue the hard work that we've put in uh, heading heading into Q School in January. Hmm. And it must feel very strange for you because for the first time in a number of years in January, you won't have a Ladies World Championship to prepare for and play in. Yeah, it is going to be strange. It really is. And it's strange for everyone. And the people sat at home, they're not going to have that to watch on the TV and not going to have... You know the messages and of good luck and whatnot from family and friends and 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 everything. It, it, it's all going to fall very flat at that time of the year. Talking of the the women's series, is that something you'd like to see the PDC expand into more of a tour? Yeah, absolutely. I've been crying out for it for a couple of years. Um, we you know we could see the the BDO sort of slip in and it's like oh PDC please step in and give us give us a ray of hope kind of thing and and it's just that it's the professionalism part of of the game that that the, the ladies the ladies are missing really but the reaction to the whole weekend was phenomenal that you know the sentiment seemed very positive on social media that must be encouraging for you to see as well as a player. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because there are there are lots of there are lots of people out there that perhaps don't necessarily play, but they they're still interested in the game. And I do think that the ladies' game is a very exciting game because you just never know who is going to win um, and who's going to do well. Because when you when you look at the field, any one of the ladies, if it's going to be their day, it's going to be their day. So, you, so I think sometimes you can never. 100% put your money on who you, who you think is is actually going to win. Speaking of the, the online, you've been, <clears throat> as you say, you've you played a fair bit of that. You were in the remote darts league a few months ago and you're playing in the, the virtual cup yeah. now. Is it hard to kind of get a rhythm? And, you know, when I've seen you on TV before, you do seem like quite a rhythm player. I am, very much so. And and I can only find my own rhythm when that person is, is with me, you know, um, it's like I very rarely am looking what they're doing. I'm looking at their feet. So the moment that they go to step forward, I know that that third dart's gone and they're going. You know, that's my cue to get ready to step forward and throw, um, no matter what speed or pace that they're playing at. So when when your opponent isn't in front of you, you're not quite sure where to stand, what to do, what, you know, it, it's all a bit like, oh, it's my turn now, and, and off you go. The... You can't seem to get into any rhythm or any routine to be in sort of game mode. And in terms of the virtual cup, how have you found that in particular? Very bizarre. It's great that you know that they've put they've put this cup on, but and you know I'm I'm still wearing my England shirt to try and give me that little bit of a buzz, you know, and 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 to sort of try and make it real, but. Um, yeah, again, it, it's the online thing. It, it, it's got that hint of how much does this matter? You know it matters because you're representing your country, but is it real? Is it not real? It, and 
I sort of got this constant little battle going on all the time. Um, but it's it's a very different opportunity, and, and I really, really appreciate the fact that, um, you know, I was selected to represent England. Um, I would never turn down an opportunity to do that. Obviously, it is really important, but it's everything that I don't like about the game. But like I say, be, being online, so... Um, it's been pretty positive so far. I've lost two two matches. I've not played the best darts, but I've been grinding out wins. The averages are awful, but at this stage, it's all about getting that win and the point for the team. You're not necessarily playing for yourself because you're representing your country. I mean, you mentioned you know dropping two games in, in the group stages. There was one of your games with one of the Turkish players, and I know there were some issues there. Can you talk me through what happened? Uh, yeah, there were a few discrepancies with the scores um, and I didn't feel um, very comfortable. So I, I stopped the game and uh, got in touch with my team manager to ask what to do. So um, the, the feedback from that was a little bit delayed. So that's why um, we continued with the game a couple of days later. I mean, that must be sort of incredibly frustrating when, you know, you're, you're trying to watch what the other person's doing, but also trying to focus on your own throw at the same time. Yeah, because you can't see, because the device that, you, that, you know, the, that their board is on is your phone, which effectively is right up against your board. Well, you don't, you can't stand in and watch so close when you're trying to prepare to, to make your own throw, you know, so... And I think the language barrier doesn't help as well because we've got nobody adjudicating it. It is just literally you two trying to trying to sort it out. So um, the lady that I played with, um, she didn't speak any English. So she didn't really understand what my problem was, you know. So um, that's why I thought, right, it's better to just stop the game and me seek advice um, as, to, as to how to, to take it. You know, you're into the knockout stages now and it's longer games. I'm presuming that's definitely going to suit your game. Uh, yes, I, w- I would think it will. Best of five is a bit, uh, it's a bit cutthroat because you only need a, you only need a dodgy leg and, and suddenly you're one behind. And with you being first three, it, if it takes you a bit longer to settle in the game, then you can be a bit scuppered sometimes. So um, it's always all right when you're in front. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you... Like I say, if you fall a leg behind, then you've got you've got a lot of work to do. And as as we said before, next year is a bit in limbo for for you and you know countless other lady players. So is the plan just Q school and and see whatever happens after that? Yeah, I think so because there's nothing there's nothing um, in concrete set yet. So um, there's no point in trying to trying to make any plans, hoping that things are going to go ahead. Um, We've just got to sit tight and, and wait to be told what's happening, really. But, yes, yeah, so the focus now will be uh, on going to Q School and then taking it from there. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening, Lorraine. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, this virus sort of goes away or gets managed and, you know, you guys have more opportunity for playing next year and you're able to get that killer instinct back again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'll, I'll keep working on my killer instinct. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling me. Thank you. It was great to catch up with Lorraine once again. And it was interesting, you know, talking about what's next for her because most players on the amateur side are are in a bit of limbo now because the Challenge Tour has been and gone, the the Women's Series, the Development Tour have been and gone. It's hard to see what's going to happen with Q-Score at the moment with the UK lockdown. 
you know, everyone's expecting it to go ahead, but I don't know where this virus is going and where the restrictions are going in the UK. Uh, and then you look to the, the WDF tour and obviously getting things up and running is a real challenge. Logistically, Romania and the, you know, the Romanian Open weekend and the Dutch Open have already had to be postponed in recent weeks. You know, they were expected decisions. You know, we, I discussed this with John Scott last month. The number of people at both of those events probably just wasn't going to be practical. But it's still a massive shame for, for the hopes of the tour restarting in the really early part of 2021. It is a really tricky situation. But focusing on the ladies' side, I think the women's series was fantastic. You know, I think it was competitive all the way through. Uh, and it was absolutely brilliant to see... Dieter Hedman qualify for that PDC World Championships. Lisa did tremendously well as well, and Fallon was, you know, unlucky to miss out. But I couldn't have been happier for Dieter. She is someone for me who never really gets the credit she deserves for for being a pioneer in the ladies' game. You know, playing on the PDC tour in the, you know, the early noughties and being the first woman to beat a man on television at the UK Open in two thousand and five. But you know, also over the last decade, she's won two hundred plus titles on the BDO tour. She's always dangerous. For my money, easily the best player to never win a Ladies World Championship. And I cannot wait to see what she can do on that stage. Whether that's Alexandra Palace or somewhere else, I don't know. But her getting through was one of the feel-good stories of the year. But on the note of the Women's Series, I thought you know there were some other really good performances. I thought Corinne Hammond had a brilliant weekend, played some fantastic stuff, scored tremendously well a weekend. But I also thought people like Joe Locke had some good runs. As I discussed with Lorraine, you know, a, a more fully-fledged tour is something they may well consider for next year. I know there are only so many weekends in a year, so scheduling it might be a challenge. But, you know, could they do something that's maybe three weekends, so 12 events, you know, with the, the top two getting into the World Championship and maybe a tour card for the winner or something like that? I'm not sure. I don't know what that looks like. And obviously the PDC have to make those decisions. But I think the numbers were good. Uh, I think the standard was great. And I think the attention that was on it was brilliant. You know, the sentiment on Twitter was really positive, And the number of people tweeting about it, certainly from what I saw, were more tweets than about the Euro Tour, which is, I'm sure, something the PDC will have tracked and will understand. And fingers crossed, there's something a bit more substantial for the ladies next year because there isn't going to be a lot else otherwise, I don't think. Moving on, Lorraine said that the online hasn't been so great for her, but someone it's been perfect for has been Wales's John William Jones. He's been killing it in online competitions, winning all sorts of things, hitting multiple nine darters, and in the virtual cup, he's into the last 16, and he's hit more 180s than anybody else in the whole tournament. Over the last few months, he's also signed a deal with Superdarts, the Norwegian manufacturer. And we've managed to team up with them for, for a brilliant competition for you all. How to get involved? Basically, you need to be following at Superdarts UK. You need to be following me at Inside the WDF. And you need to retweet the pinned tweet, which will be the tweet for the podcast. Uh, entries will open as soon as the tweet goes live on Tuesday. Uh, and then entries will close on Saturday the 31st of October with a winner drawn on Sunday the 1st of November. So that's follow Superdarts UK, follow Inside the WDF, retweet the pinned tweet, and then you'll find out on Sunday whether you were the lucky person to win. I'll also put a tweet out 
through the main account just to remind everybody but you know get involved and it's something hopefully we're going to be able to run more competitions not necessarily just with them but with other people later in the year and into 2021 without further ado here's my chat with john from last week discussing the virtual cup playing darts during lockdown and his hopes for the future I'm now delighted to be joined by John Williams-Jones, one of the form players over the last few months. How are you, John? Yeah, I'm good, Tom. And how have the last six, seven months been for you in Wales with the, the lockdown and stuff? Yeah, it's been pretty bad. It's, yeah, it hasn't been much different for me, really. Um, it's just the same, really. You know, you know, it's been different. You can't go out and have a show when you want and stuff, and... You know, before we talk about the online darts, where you've, you know, thrived recently, when did you first start playing darts? So, it's been about 11 or 12 years, but I'd say about 10, 10 years playing seriously. And how did you get started? Um, I, the first the first ever game of darts that I watched on the TV was Webster against Whitcomb, the looks like final. Hmm. And just from there, I... Just from there. I mean, let's talk about the online stuff. You've been absolutely smashing it, winning competitions all the time. I mean, you won a competition yesterday. Did you have the, the set-up at home before? And were you playing online darts? Or did you just think, as soon as the lockdown came, I need to, to get up and make sure I'm playing regularly? Uh, I've played a few times online before, but one one thing I've done before. But no, I've played a few times online before. Just, it feels like practice for me. Hmm. Good. And I mean, we've seen some players have said that they struggle to play at home. The setup doesn't work for them. But I mean, you've been playing some great stuff. Why? Why does the online stuff work for you? Is it because it's sort of like practice? Yeah, it's nothing different. It's just it just feels like practice for me. It's uh, playing against other people instead of usually I play. Uh, say a level on a computer, play against that, and just playing the other people instead. One of the, I mean, you you hit a nine darter against Chris Dobie and stuff. But one of the people you played online, you played Devon Peterson, and he gave you some encouragement on on Twitter afterwards. So, what did that mean to play such a high level against someone in form, but also his kind of kind words and encouragement afterwards? Oh yeah, it was good. It was yeah, it was a good game we had. Um, it was close to the first few sets, but then he showed his class and he did pull away. And but it was the same when I played Chris Dobie, you know, he stayed on and we had a chat for 10 or 15 minutes after the game as well. Oh, yeah, it was good. And like we said, yeah, Dev, I mean, nothing but praise after the game and wished me well. Last year you were called up for, for Wales for the first time. What was that like, you know, to, to get the information that you were being picked for the, the Celtic Challenge and then the British Internationals? Oh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was uh, what I've been dreaming of doing since I first started playing company and then heard how you get into the Wales team and that. It's what I wanted to do, so, yeah, it was good. It was. And what was it like when you pulled on that jersey for the first time and you actually were playing for Wales against Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, etc.? Oh, yeah, it felt good. But when I went up on stage and got the first win in it, it, you know, it felt like nothing that I've done with darts before. The, coming off the stage, it was a 4-0 win in the first game. It wasn't the best of games, but 
I would have taken anything playing with that shirt on. It was nice as well at the British Internationals. I remember you beat Kev Dowling and the game was on the stream as well. So you're able to kind of watch yeah. that moment back again and again. Yeah, it was the same with that. We both we both didn't play anywhere near as well as we could in that. But first game on screen and Wales against England, it's always a big game. So to win that, that was good as well. And you mentioned, you know, you came through the counties and stuff. I know you played for for Montgomery and Radnor. How long have you been playing for the county now? Probably about five years, I would say, because I played for a couple of years, and then I had it. I think it was a two-year break, and then I went back. So, yeah, I'd say probably about five years. And if you don't mind me asking, what prompted the, the break from the game? Um, I don't know, really. I was just struggling to form a bit and wasn't enjoying it so much. So I just went just playing local league darts. And that was it, really. I finished playing Super League as well and just went back to... And then was there anything specific that helped you get the, the passion and the love for it back? I was started playing well again and so yeah, give it a go and um first game back at we were playing fucking them away, so it was a long to the first game back and I think yeah, now the matches thirty odd average the first game back and then it's probably gone from there, then I had the buzz back for it then. Obviously, at the moment, you're part of the, the actual WDF Virtual Cup with Wales. When did you get the information that you were being called up? Because I, I can imagine you were an obvious choice, given how you've been playing online. Yeah, well, I haven't seen the email. So, the, one, the assistant manager for Wales, he phoned me up and said, uh, we're looking to put you in the team. It was a few days before, and I said, yeah, well, I'll definitely be interested in playing. And so run from there then. And how have you found it so far? I mean, you've had an amazing, you know, run in the group stage. I think you're nine and one now, and you've hit the most one eighties of anyone in the tournament. Yeah, it's struggled the first game a bit. I played Patrick Kovac, so we had a few good games online, and um, I lost that one three one. But no, I played well last year. Hmm. Yeah, I played some real good darts in it. It's a pretty tough group you're in as well with, you know, Richard Vainstra, Patrick Kovac, as you mentioned. The Swedish boys have got, you know, international pedigree as well. Have you enjoyed the fact that you're in a really good competitive group? Oh, yeah, it's definitely and doing so well in it. As, when I've seen the teams, I thought it's going, to be, it's going to be a tough group, but, yeah, it's going well. Guaranteed a place in the, the knockout round now. Obviously, with that, with that comes longer games. Do you think the longer format's going to suit you even more? Yeah, it's, it's tough. We did a best of five. That's in the first, the first game when I said I'd play Patrick. I went 2-0 down on that. And then, yeah, near enough then from there, I come back and won the third leg and I missed a double for the fourth to take it to the side of it. Yeah, definitely a longer format is better. And I saw earlier in the year you linked up with Super Darts and you've got your own sort of custom darts now. How have they been going for you? Yeah, they've been going good. The prototypes are here. Yeah, there's a new set coming in a couple of weeks ago with a slight different measurements on them, but yeah, they're going good. Hmm. The grip and everything is 
how I want to get is a change to my old bats, but yeah, they're going good. And what does it mean to kind of have that, you know, manufacturer support behind you as well? Oh, yeah, it's, it's good, you know. When they said you know, straight away, yeah, I'd sign up to them. It's for them to believe in me, and yeah, it was good. Looking forward for you, obviously, you've got the, the virtual cup at the moment, and I'm sure you know you'd love to, to win it for Wales. But next year, PDC Q School, is that something you're thinking about? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I'm not so bothered. I've said to a few people that we close to I'm not so bothered about the tour cards for next year going up and winning one of them. Just go there, have a, the experience of it, and then. So you're on the challenge tour, get some more experience on that and then go in the year after would be is what I'm aiming to do. It might be difficult for them to go ahead, but are you going to be looking to play in any sort of WDF events as well? Yeah, I'll probably look to have a go in a few of them, yeah. I'm not too sure yet, but I'd definitely keep it open and see what's happening. And ultimately, looking forward, what's the goal in darts for you? Oh, really? I've, always, I've, like, I've never been one who goes to a lot of tournaments. I'd rather, I've just been happy for, like I said, the years, just playing County Super League and never really been bothered about tournaments. But people have always told me, oh, come, come with us to tournaments and this, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely going to play some going forward. And like I said, hopefully, year next year, even if it's on the challenge, so I wouldn't mind that. And then forward, try and get a tour card then and see where we can go from there. You know, it, obviously, you've been playing so much online darts. Have you had the chance to play any sort of in person darts over the last couple of months? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, but. Nothing, just having the check in the pub that was with a few. Um, but where I live, it's, there's been nothing on, and so far to travel to any. You know, the closest tournaments have been like two hours away, well, hour and a half, two hours away. So, no, I haven't been to any well, fair. tournaments. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way you're playing at the moment, mate, you're playing some great stuff, and hopefully that, that translates and you can do well in the Virtual Cup and, you know, have a good start to next year in the in the PDC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's confidence, I feel. It's so high at the moment. You know, just before lockdown, it was... I was going to the board and feeling like I was going to miss, but now I go to the board and feel sometimes I can't miss, you know. I'm going to hit everything I go for, sort of thing. That feeling of thinking you were going to miss... Do you know what was causing that, or was it just, as you say, a lack of confidence? Yeah, no, I had a few bad games at County, and I was my scoring game was all right, but I was coming to a double, and I think I was just thinking, I had you're going to miss, you're going to miss, but then um, a few weeks into lockdown, I started practicing hard because there was nothing else to do, so I was putting two, three hours a day in, and then. Confidence grew, and now, like I said, it's how you feel like I can't miss sometimes when I'm playing. So. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening, John. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. It was great to chat with John, and he's someone who's massively benefited from the last few months. You know, I think he is someone that we're going to be hearing and seeing a lot more of.
in the next few months and years for sure. The way he's playing at the moment, as long as he can convert that, whether that's PDC or whatever, you know, he's definitely got the talent and he's shown that when he's relaxed and he feels like he's practising, he can mix it with the best of them. In the Virtual Cup, I think he's possibly one of the favourites to go all the way and win it, certainly the way he's been playing and scoring. The Virtual Cup, I think, has been brilliant. You know, the WDF wanted to do something and I think this has been... Probably the best thing they could have done. It's been brilliant to follow. It's got as many people in the WDF system involved as possible, which is a massively important thing, you know, for the development of the sport. It's not just about the big European nations. It's about everybody. You know, you've had Iran. Someone like Zara Rajabi from Iran has, has had a great tournament. The incredibly named Elvis Jackson of India getting to the last 32, but also places like Jersey, the Isle of Man. Catalonia had someone in the last 32, Mongolia, someone through to the knockout stages, all of that stuff's been brilliant to follow and I think the tournament's been, certainly for me, a real real bright spark. Uh, you can follow the competition through Dark Connect, you know, on the podcast at Inside the WDF. I'll be tweeting out updates whenever I can. Uh, and you can also, you know, follow the action now through the streams via USA Darts and massive credit has to go to Will Stewart and the USA Darts team. Production's brilliant and always the hurdle with events on our side of the sport is getting them that publicity and giving people the chance to actually watch those games so credit has to go to them and they're doing a brilliant job so far and long may it continue into the business end of the tournament focusing on the podcast there'll be one more interview out this week and that will be in the new masters of the world series that i've started looking back on the history of the bdo world masters you know i've had fascinating chats so far with stephen bunting graham hunt John O'Shea, it's almost, I think it's almost a year to the day today that he you know, won that title at the Circus Tavern. What a moment that was. And also Tony West, who absolutely astounded me with his journey from you know, getting stabbed three times to, to making a career out of darts. So make sure you check out those interviews via Podbean, Spotify, iTunes. As I said, there'll be one more out this week and then you know, more to, much more to follow in November and December. Massive thank you to the guests this month, Ross Montgomery, Lorraine Wynn, Stanley and John Williams-Jones. If you've got this far, massive thank you for listening. As always, your support was massively appreciated. We also have the competition, as I said, instructions earlier in the episode, and there will be a tweet, so make sure to check that out. Entries close on Saturday. Otherwise, follow me at amsinclair97, follow the pod at Inside the WDF, and otherwise... I'll see you on the other side.